You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail. On Aaron's Horror Show, we're going to go ahead and read some horror fiction and talk about horror in all its forms, books, movies, you name it. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can go ahead and contact Aaron's Horror Show at Gmail or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right, welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I want to go ahead and apologize for last week. Some stuff came up, and I was unable to record a show. Uh, I have a lot going on right now with my family and whatnot, and I also have some exciting news. Orion is going to come out in... uh, Kindle and paperback and audiobook and it's all coming May 17th and that's just right around the corner but because you listen to this podcast you don't need to pay at least for the Kindle edition if you'd like it. Uh, The Kindle edition is going to be a free download the 20th through the 23rd so that's May 20th through the 23rd. I'll go ahead and remind you on the show that uh, comes out that week as well. You won't have much time to download at that point in time, so I thought I'd tell you right now, just so you know uh, about the future uh, of that book. And then, of course, there's also the paper uh, back and the audio version. I am going to uh, still read it, though, on this podcast, because I know those of you want to uh, hear the story. And I know all of you can't, you know, necessarily afford to to get the audiobook or subscribe to Audible. Uh, so, you know, I want to give you a way to get it for free as well. But I am going to tell you that the guy that reads the book is way better than I am. So you'll get a nice treat if you do go out to Audible and uh, get the audiobook version of Orion. All right, so today I want to go ahead and talk about a show that I think is a great show that you think you'll like. I don't have a lot of time because the uh, Tuners chapter, yes, I'm reading Tuners because I read Orion last week, or I guess two weeks ago, but the last time I read something was Orion, so we're going to go ahead and read Tuners this time around. So it's a longer chapter, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, keep this brief, but uh, I just want to quickly talk about a show that I really like called Lucifer. Yes, if you do not watch Lucifer, I think you should. It's a really great show. So, a uh, quick snapshot of the show. It's uh, basically based on a uh, Neil Gaiman. Yes, Neil Gaiman. If you haven't read anything by Neil Gaiman, I suggest you start now. Probably the book that he's best known for is American Gods. 
but uh, he's also has a lot of stuff under his credit. Uh, one of the more interesting things he has is the Sandman comics from DC Comics, uh, which uh, DC Vertigo, I think, is the actual name of the imprint. Uh, so, you know, DC tried to do a little bit more artsy type of comic books, and uh, the Sandman was one of the best ones out of that series. And uh, Lucifer, the TV show, it's a show on Fox that's currently running, is actually based on a character from the Sandman comics that's created by Neil Gaiman. So, uh, the character Lucifer in the comics is actually what they use to make the uh, show Lucifer, and it's good. And it's funny because I didn't think it was going to be. Uh, my wife and I watch a whole lot of TiVo, right? So we have a TiVo and we record all the shows we like. And I forget exactly what show we were watching at the time, but there were, you know, when, when Lucifer first came out, they were promoting the show heavily. And I remember seeing the commercials here and there for Lucifer. And based on the commercials, it looked really dumb. I was just like, oh my god, that sounds like a stupid series. I'm not really going to be into it. And, you know, my wife kind of said, well, I kind of want to watch it. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. You can watch it all. Uh, uh, I'll skip this one. And so she watched it. And after seeing the first season, she said, I think it's really good. I think you should watch it. And I'm totally willing to watch the first season uh, over again. And so we did. We watched the first season over again, and I love it. <laughs> like, I thought it was a great show. Uh, but what makes it a really great show is that it Lucifer is the main character. And yes, Lucifer is the actual devil. So yes, this is about the real uh, devil, but he's not really the devil that you sort of think about when you think about the devil. You think about, you know... Satan and you don't think of him as sort of like a heartwarming loving character you think of him as Satan right well this is where this show kind of spins the idea of Lucifer on his head it kind of takes that devil character and and gives him some really legitimate reasons of why he is the way that he is so you know there's a an interesting subplot where he's always you know, kind of angry at his father, and and there's and and you kind of get the impression that his father is kind of a jerk, and well, you know, if you know anything about Lucifer, Lucifer was cast out of heaven. He was an angel. He was one of uh, God's children, and and he was stripped of his wings and tossed into hell, and and sort of the 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 son that God had forsaken, and so it kind of makes sense that Lucifer would have a chip on his shoulder about his father so there's a, some interesting father issues going on in there also you get the sense that lucifer's not really a bad guy he's just a guy that likes to punish the wicked and so what i mean by that is uh he basically in this series at least is someone that really doesn't like when people are cruel to other people and he really thinks that people that are cruel and mean to other people really get what they deserve and really uh, should be punished. And so there's this whole element of, well, he's the devil because he uh, has a very high sense of morality of, of people should be good to each other. And that's kind of a interesting spin, right? So it's kind of kind of unique. I thought that was very cool. 
Uh, and then also there's the whole thing where, you know, he has a brother that comes in, another angel character uh, called Amenadiel, which is, you know, sort of the the goody two-shoes angel. He's the one that, you know, won't really defy their father and stuff like that. And of course, Lucifer is sort of beats to his own drum. If he doesn't really like it, he's not going to uh, <laughs> fall in line. And so I, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And then of course, there is the detective character because in the day-to-day -day operation of the show, it's kind of a cop drama. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Weird, right? A show called Lucifer is a cop drama. Uh, it's basically, you know, there's a murder every mystery, there's a murder every, uh, episode, and Lucifer and, uh, this detective go out and try and solve the murder, and of course the detective doesn't know that he's the devil, right? So she just thinks he's this really weird eccentric millionaire that loves to call himself Lucifer, whereas he is the actual devil, and it's kind of interesting, but then you find out later, spoiler alert, by the way, you find out later that, uh, she was put there by God, and, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on there. So, uh, it's a really interesting, very complicated show, and, oh my god, the episode that they just had this week finally had this plot come together, which was, we were waiting the entire series for, and it's gonna be really interesting, uh, so if you are already a fan of the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not a fan of the show, I'm actually not going to spoil it for you this time around. But I seriously suggest you take a look at it. It is not really what you think it is going into it. There's a lot of heart to this series. And what I mean by a lot of heart is ultimately everyone wants to do the right thing. Even the devil, they always want to do the right thing, but they always get in their own way and have their own problems. And, and, and it's all about that stuff in addition to this whole plot of them actually being the, you know, celestial beings that they are. So I would go ahead and recommend it. I would say watch Lucifer. All right, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get into tuners. <laughs> Chapter 13 For the first few months of training, John felt like he was trapped on a space station. It wasn't exactly like he was really trapped. There were floors upon floors of endless amounts of stuff to do. In addition, the rec room looked like it was for tuners only. There was a commons room for the rest of the staff. Video games, gyms, full-size basketball courts, full-screen cinema, a dreaded karaoke club where John would not get on stage no matter how hard Abby tried. A cafeteria that seemed to have any food a person could desire. There was even a large arboretum that was a maze in itself. It had wild and strange plant species from across the universes. There was a strange part of the arboretum that there was no natural light. Each room was illuminated with lights that simulated the Earth's sun. There was even a room with a domed roof that could simulate blue skies. It was so convincing of an illusion that John closed his eyes he could picture being outside. 
The installation was spherical, as far as John could tell, with operations at the center of it all. There were no windows in the entire complex. Patel had explained that since HQ was floating in the cosmic space between universes, there'd be nothing to see, and no universe had windows strong enough to withstand the pressure. Tuner's HQ was surrounded by a one-mile-thick material that was the strongest in all the known universes. According to one of Patel's lectures, all the universes were bubbles in a cosmic abyss. They would expand seemingly forever until some force in the abyss would eventually slow them down and they would die in a crunch only to explode and start again. The multiverse was teeming with universes, all built on the ashes of others. Of course, Patel's book learning didn't help him much in his other trains. Focus, DeAndre said and slapped John aside the head with a sparring sword. Your mind is drifting again. John took off his helmet and tossed it to the side. It landed near Ludi, who was on an exercise bike watching his favorite show. John was sick of it. For weeks, he was bored by Patel's lectures, brutalized by sparring with a person who was way quicker than him, and run to the point of exhaustion through Abby's cardio, and John couldn't even begin to lift the amount of weight that Miho could handle. A lot of good a weight trainer mentor was when he was from a universe with much more gravity than his own. The only person's training regimen he could handle was Ludi's. The kid had all the tech devices, and John was at least pretty good with messing around with technology thanks to his dad. However, John's fiddling would make Ludi nervous, because Ludi would often say, Don't touch that one, or You'll blow us all up. Hey Ludi, John said when he couldn't stand to look at another technical manual. Yeah? Ludi looked around annoyed whenever John asked a question. He figured that annoyed was Ludi's neutral, so it didn't really bother John all that much. Hey, Ludi, why don't the cultists just poof in here like they did in my world? It's because this station generates a barrier that prevents unauthorized tuning. You need an official T3 to get in here or have someone on the inside shut down the barrier. Now, will you finish your reading on that schematic and let me get some work done? At least you know why they didn't trust him with a TF3 yet, but still irritated John nonetheless. When Hector came by with a mission, all the tuners would run off and leave John feeling useless in the rec room. They'd shove a video game controller in his hand and say, Take advantage of the leisure time now because you won't have much of it in the future. And to top it off, John's dad was still in a coma. He stomped over to a bench and sat down. DeAndre said, What's going on? What's going on? Hector won't let me go on a mission, that's what's going on. How does he expect me to be a tuner if he won't let me tune? John yelled. We've been there, ma'am, DeAndre said. None of us even got to step outside this place until we were ready for it. I've been ready for weeks now. Hey, man. DeAndre said. I was ready like you the first time out, and so was my brother. Your brother was a tuner? I'm a twin. Or at least I was a twin. Tuner twins are rare, and both having the ability is even rarer. What happened to him? Me and my brother, we are ready to take on the world. 
Not only were we tuners, but with our ability to move faster than average, we got cocky. Not all universes are the same. We were too used to always being fast. When we were ambushed by cultists, we had to find a tuning spot. My brother stopped to get a memento. He used to get something from every universe. Something no one would miss. A coin, a brochure. In this case, it was a toy some child must have dropped. He missed the tune by a second. What happened to him? You know what happens when the universe becomes destabilized? DeAndre made an exploding gesture with his hands. I best you tell the noobs all that story. Oh hell, you got me, DeAndre laughed. Another round? Yeah, John said. I got a score to hit if I can thrust enough. DeAndre laughed and patted John on the back. They picked up their sparring equipment. Later that day, instead of Abby's cardio, Abby and John tuned into the dressing room in the recesses of a department store. Abby still had a hold on his hand because he wasn't allowed to get his own TF3 yet. John didn't mind holding Abby's hand. He could still think of worse ways to spend the afternoon than being cramped in a dressing room with a beautiful girl. After baffling the clerk who was about to offer the dressing room to a customer, they exited the store into a city of skyscrapers. John didn't recognize the name of the establishment, but it looked like any other department store he had ever seen. They walked for a couple of blocks and made it to an alleyway near an old brick building. It must have been ten stories tall, and it was dotted with windows. The building looked like a typical New York apartment complex. However, they weren't in New York. They were in New Amsterdam in Universe 54G. It was a concept John had a hard time settling in his own mind. It wasn't because he didn't believe it. John had grown up with science fiction, just like any other American. It was just that New Amsterdam. It, it was a country that was still a British colony. There were Union Jacks instead of American flags. Right, Abby said and looked towards the top of the building. Follow me. Where are we? John said, and Abby cut him off. She jumped and went ten stories all the way to the top. John felt dizzy by the height of it. What the? John muttered. Now you try it, Abby called down. John looked back and forth. There wasn't anyone watching. He was sure this was some kind of trick Abby had used an invisible wire. He got a running head start and pushed himself from the ground. For a brief moment, he was floating in the air. His arms were flailing, and the wind brushed against his face. It felt exhilarating. And then John saw the building moving quickly towards him. He was headed straight for the fifth floor. Because of the running start, he was jumping at an arc rather than straight up, like Abby had done. He was attempting to will himself to go higher, as if he had some psychic power to bend reality. However, it didn't work like that. The rules of physics still applied, even if gravity was weak on this world. Abby had tried to explain to him earlier before they tuned to 54G. You know how Splendid Man is from Krypton, where the gravity is different. Don't you mean Superman? That's weird. Really? Super? John rolled his eyes. I guess the green lantern in your world is the green beacon? Green gaslight. That's even worse! At least we don't have Batman. Who would name a superhero after a flying rodent of the sky? 
Batman is only like the best superhero ever. Besides, bats are closer to lemurs than rats. Lemur man? You're not making a good case for yourself. They had broken out into laughter and they had imagined a superhero named Lemur Man. And eventually they decided on calling it a stupid hero. They had talked about comics and music, compared hit songs of their worlds. John had felt a connection. There was something in the way they just clicked. It was good conversation and not just the conversation that would have helped him when he was flying through the air to the fifth floor of a building. There was a window in his path. He aimed for it by streamlining his body. John crashed through into an apartment. A man, wife, and small child were eating dinner. They jumped up from the table as John and a storm of glass burst into their kitchen. Their mouths were agape at John who picked himself up after rolling to a stop head first into the refrigerator. Um, John said as he brushed himself off. Glass and safety inspector? He said as he flashed his school ID from his world. Seems like the glass passed the inspection. Carry on. He was out the door before they could say anything else. He met up with Abby about halfway up to the top of the building. You okay? She said as she brushed the glass off him. There was a piece stuck to his arm. She pulled it out and he winced. I'm fine, John lied. He was sore and the glass was deeper than he thought. Ludy came bounding up the stairs. From his fanny pack came a bandage for the wound. Sorry, I am late, guys, Ludy said. Huffing and puffing. The science team's morning briefs took longer than usual. You have to be careful, John said. The gravity of this earth is a fraction of what you're used to. You want to push yourself up, not forward. It's just like jumping on my world. Only I'm going higher, John said as he winced again and Ludy plucked another piece of glass from his skin. Kind of, Abby said. Gravity is one factor, another is the fundamental physics. The universal constant, proton weight, boson size, all these parts of what makes the universe work can be changed in subtle ways. So do you know how DeAndre can move so fast? He comes from a universe where everything is on overdrive, but in his own universe he moves at normal speeds and we are the slow ones. So what's your power? John asked Ludi. None. I'm weaker in just about every universe, Ludi said. He grew up in a universe where kids are taught quantum physics in kindergarten, Abby said. Not all abilities are physical ones. Are they all like this? John asked. The universes, I mean. They're all different. Change the property of a quark and everything changes. That's why there are void universes out there. Atoms can't form, matter doesn't interact, failed big bangs float in the cosmic abyss. We start recruits off in lighter-than-gravity worlds to get the maneuvers down. And then we move to the fun ones with stranger physics, Abby said. But why are humans on them? Why Earth? If you have a finite number of possibilities in an infinite multiverse, then some are bound to repeat themselves. We are here in our pocket of the multiverse, so the ones closest to us are bound to be the most similar. Maybe there's a parallel Earth out there where the dinosaurs didn't die. But that's 65 million year ago fork in the road and with a lot of universes in between. In case you're wondering, we can't tune to other planets. Not even the cultists can set up a base on Mars without a spaceship. Thank God you call it Mars. I don't know what I would do if you called it Red Man or something stupid. 
The fourth planet is called Red Man in my universe, Ludi said. It was all too much for John. He began to laugh. Red Man is an ancient god. He was birthed in a volcano and... All right, all right, all right, ignore him, Ludi. Abby said, maybe it was too much to take you building hopping on your first day. You started it, John said. Come on, let's do this. You're injured. And I don't think Cultus will wait for me to heal. Let's go. Abby rolled her eyes and followed him upstairs. I'll be at the coffee shop if you need me. I have a raid on this world in about 15 minutes. Is there a world where you haven't dominated their world of Warcraft? Only in the worlds that make you re use real swords. Jumping from rooftop to rooftop was exhilarating. John never felt this kind of freedom before. The close he had come to feeling this freedom was when his parents took him to these cabins on the ocean somewhere north of San Francisco. There was a stretch of Highway 1 that hugged the cliff near the ocean. It was the last time the family had a vacation that didn't end in disaster. He hopped from skyscraper to skyscraper, going higher and higher. Abby even had a little trouble catching up to him because he was a quick learner. She had tried to scare him and told him that even on the low gravity planets, a fall from high above would end in death, but John wasn't afraid. He bounced all the way to the tallest building in the city. There was an antenna on top with a horizontal bar that could seat two. He decided to stop and wait for Abby. A few minutes later, she made it to the top of the building. She was completely winded, and John barely broke a sweat. Mind if we rest, she said and sat beside him. He shrugged and looked over the cityscape. The view was breathtaking. The sky was glowing red from the setting sun. He could see so far in the distance, the sea disappeared behind the horizon. The city below looked foreign. The advertisements and the names of things, the cars, they all looked a little bit different. He definitely wasn't on his earth anymore. So you know how traveling to a world puts the world at risk? Isn't traveling to this one risking the people here? John said after a while. Passing through with your tuning ability takes advantage of the natural architecture of the multiverse. It's no more dangerous than using a door. However, if you punch a hole in the wall like the cultists do when they travel, even the door becomes a risk. See, why can't Patel and Ludi explain it like that? You know what I like about you? What? You keep it simple. There is no reason to complicate things more than necessary. The sky was turning dark. At least the red hues of the setting sun were the same in this world. John didn't know if he could take a blue sun or anything crazy. It was hard enough to get used to all these God Save the Queen posters everywhere. The air was getting colder, and they were very high up. Abby pulled her jacket tighter. It was the same jacket he had seen in the photo of the young girl Abby said was her sister. What happened to your sister, John said. There isn't much to tell, Abby said. I don't have to be anywhere. John reached out for her. She turned away and stared into the distance. The clouds looked as if they had been set on fire by the setting sun. He touched her hand and squeezed. She didn't look back. She squeezed his hand and began to speak. The cultists came. At first it was one or two at a time. There were murders, reports of kidnappings around malls, corpses showing up a few days later, mutilated. Some people went missing entirely. 
What do you think the cultists wanted to do with them? Don't know. We've never been able to retrieve somebody who's been kidnapped by the cultists. Though from the corpses they leave behind, I imagine the ones they kill on the spot are the lucky ones. So my parents didn't want me to leave the house, but I did anyway. I always thought I'd be safe. A few kidnapped victims in a city of millions. The chances I'd be a target were small. Besides, I thought if people tried to mess with me, I'd give them a taser or pepper spray or something I kept in my purse. I didn't think anything of it. I just continued on with my life. My little sister, Angela, wanted to do everything I did. She looked up to me, liked everything I liked. She even dressed like me. I had no idea she would follow me. She was wearing my jacket. That's how they found her. I'm sorry. John reached out with his other hand. She turned towards him. Their eyes met. His heart pounded in his chest. He didn't really know what to say to her, so he didn't say anything at all. He gave her a kiss. She was surprised at first, but then she returned the kiss. They locked lips. A tingling sensation went up his entire body. Whoa, man, DeAndre yelled, and they jumped back from each other. That's hot, bro, Meadhook high-fived DeAndre. John and Abby looked up at the two. They were both hanging upside down from the railing above. Hector wanted us to get you, DeAndre said. We have a breach in progress, bro, Meathook added. Breach, John said. What's a breach? It's when the cultists punch a big enough hole to bring an army through, she said as she jumped off the roof. Thank you for listening. I don't have much time, so I'm going to get right to it. Real Paranormal Activity is on Mondays. I'm on Tuesdays. Terry's Mysterious Moments is on Wednesdays. And the Sandman Lullaby is coming to a podcast feed near you. Good night.